welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome to Great Shot Kid, the Star Wars podcast here on the Nerd Party Network that looks at the creative work of Star Wars creators, uh, both within and without the Star Wars galaxy. I'm John. And I'm Mike. And this week, we are going to be bringing you one of our signature triple features, where we are going to look at the initial works of the three directors who are delivering to us the uh, first three, or have delivered in, in one case, the first three non-episode creations of the Star Wars galaxy. Two cases. Two cases. Because we're, we're being, uh, you know, nerdy about it. Yes, counting okay. Clone Wars as the first one. Yeah, Clone Wars is the... Oh, whatever. We're looking at the first <laughs> works of the three dudes who gave us non-episode Star Wars movies, and I'm mixed up in the timeline. Whatever. And uh, so we're, we're going with Filoni for Clone Wars, Edwards for Monsters, and of course he delivered uh, Rogue One to us, and uh, Lord and Miller for Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And they're yes. going to be delivering to us the Han Solo standalone movie, which we don't know the title as of the recording of this. So, um, th th I mean, this is very similar. If anybody's joining us for the first time, uh, we we did one where we looked back at the first works of uh, Lucas Kirshner and Mark Quand uh, to you know look through those, see what they can tell us about you know what was upcoming uh, with the Star Wars movies that they made. And in this case, we're looking at Filoni, Edwards, and Miller to and and Lord to tell us what. You know what we can see about those works that inform either what they delivered, or what they added, and what we could expect from Star Wars. And of course, Filoni is our very unique case because his first movie is a Star Wars movie for all intents and purposes. Yeah, and it, it's it's I don't know. This is something that I, I find to be fascinating in general because it's like Gareth Edwards is directing a Star Wars movie. It's like, okay, who's that? Oh, he made this movie or whatever. But everyone made a first movie, right? Everyone's made a first movie. And when, you know, you, you see like Gareth Edwards or any of these people, J.J. Abrams is a person who has made a Star Wars movie. And it's like, how did you get to that point? You know, yep. where where did your career go in, in you know, what wh where did you start, you know? And that's the thing which I, I, I find to be, like, really fascinating is to kind of, like, take a look back at these movies and say, like, this is where these people started. And somehow or another, they eventually got to the point where they were making a Star Wars movie. And right. I don't know. That's 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 why I, 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 I like doing these things. Oh, I love doing these things, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so do you want to tackle this by just going in the the order in which they were released or do you is there one in particular that you want to jump into immediately i, I think we should do it in the order uh, that they came to the franchise so we'll do okay. filoni then edwards and then lord and miller okay yeah. so let's go in with filoni and his movie is star wars the clone wars released in theaters in 2008 uh and it was to uh, essentially kick off the series uh, you know, to whet the appetite of the fans. And anybody unfamiliar with the history of it, they took the first four episodes 
of the Clone Wars, and they repurposed them as a film and to introduce everybody to Ahsoka and to the state of the galaxy and what was going on at the time. Now, I know that I saw it in the movie theater. Mike, did you see it in the theaters when it came out? Yeah, I saw. I got into one of those, um, those, those, uh, like sort of joint. <laughs> it's so weird when it's a kids' movie, but you know those things where they're like, <laughs> yeah. "Sign up for free passes to come see this movie," you know, or like, uh-huh. "We're giving away tickets on this radio station," you know, and like lots of times those things are done where like. You know, they, they overbook them, so you got to wait in line for like an hour and a half. And it's always the same people waiting in line. You always see the same people at the front of those lines. And there's people who literally, like, they all know each other. They see everything, and they see everything early and for free because they're just scouring through every newspaper and listening to every radio station and just, they, they're just getting those passes, you know? But there's always like a section, like, in the front which is reserved for critics, you know? So yeah. the critics just kind of stroll in. And when it's a kid's movie, instead of being done on like a Tuesday night, it's done on like a Saturday morning. Sure. And obviously there's a bunch of kids there. And with Star Wars, they're like, we need to be extra careful. So what I remember about this screening is they took everyone's cell phones because they didn't want anyone recording anything. And they put them all in little Ziploc bags and they gave us all numbers. And then after the movie was over, we needed to wait as they read off every single number and you just needed to wait for your number to come up so that you could get your cell phone. And I'm in a group with three other people. And I just remember sitting there and the critics are having none of this. And yeah, it was, it was a very interesting experience, but I did see it in the theater. (laughs) I hope that everybody (laughs) learned a lesson to never, ever go to see an early showing of a Lucas film again. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Although I, w- I will say, as a, as a quick historical note, my uncle, God rest his soul, uh, was one of those people who patrolled the, yeah. the radio contests and stuff. And he would reach out to, and this is before the internet, kids, where he would reach out to different family members who lived in the area because there is a limit to how many times you can win something on a radio station. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. he, would, he would basically pretend to be like my dad. <laughs> or my other uncle and stuff like that and have stuff sent to their house and he'd give them a heads up and he'd be like, now I told you that this is coming, so send it over to me. And it was very awkward. But every so often I got to go see an early movie too, so you yeah, know, it, it, it worked out okay. I saw it paying my, my hard-earned money uh, to go see it. I saw it with two friends of mine, none of us children, and we saw it on opening weekend. And my reaction to it when I saw it was – this had it was better than I expected, and it was better than I thought it had any right to be. I went into it thinking, um, I literally had the thought in my head, I'm only doing this because I'm such a Star Wars fan. Yeah. This is going to be middling at best. And I remember at the end of it looking over at my friends and saying, That I really liked that. And they looked at me and they said, Yeah, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And what was your reaction when you saw it? I think my reaction was, oh, yeah, this is cool. I like this. I'm I'm looking forward to this television show when it comes on TV. Um, there's things in it which I think are 
great. Like, you know, some of the, the opening battle where you see like this, you know, sort of like very close combat sort of stuff with the clone troopers and everything like that. Um, there's things in it which I find to be somewhat amusing, even though I'm like, why are we doing this now? Like when, you know, uh, Obi-Wan sets up his distraction with his, his tea and, and stuff like that with the, the other general. Okay. It's like, this is okay. kind of strange. But I don't know. Like, at the time, I was buying into the hype that this was actually a movie designed to be a movie and not just four episodes stuck together. And now that I, I'm aware of the history of it, I you can totally see that it's four episodes stuck together. And yeah. there's some massive like shifts, and it goes to some weird places and becomes some things where it's like, why are we doing this now? What's going on with this hut? And all that stuff. And by the time it gets to the end, you know, you're just kind of like suffering from whiplash. And I'm just like, this is not the epic whatever that you would think that this should be. And I mean, you know, watching it again, I've seen it a bunch of times. Watching it this time, I was like, I think I'm finally willing to admit to myself that this movie is really not very good. I disagree with you. Uh, okay. As you would expect me to. Yeah. Uh, I will say that the the one point where the seams really show for me is when we suddenly shift over to Padme uh, mm-hmm. interacting with Zero the Hut. I thought Zero was a great character. Uh, still do. Zero was a lot of fun. I thought it was so, so interesting to have a Truman Capote-inspired Hut. It, and, you know, to speak to the corny stuff... That, to me, really inhabits that sense of whimsy that gives birth to something like a do-back or something that I think is, you know, just a silly toss-away thing. Even though the Padme stuff is a detour and you could arguably excise it from everything in order to, you know, get to the end faster, I enjoy everything overall because I very specifically enjoy all of the epic stuff that does lead up to that point. It earns enough goodwill for me up to that point that when it does suddenly shift hard to the other direction, I give it a I give it a pass and then it shifts back and it gets back into the main narrative. So yes, is there that point where you can obviously tell that something kind of got stitched together? Yeah. But I I don't uh, I I don't agree with your assessment. I I think it's good. I go back to it. I have rewatched it several times, and I enjoy rewatching it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, hmm. I don't know. It, it suffers from a, a lot of the stuff which I which I dislike. It, with uh, you know the clone about the Clone Wars, which is sort of the idea of it becoming like action just action for action's sake like action to the point of white noise where i'm just like okay we're in it and eventually this is going to end and it's going to get back to actually like plot and that's that's going to be cool when that happens but for now i'm just you know see you and i have very different views on the clone wars series overall for Mm -hmm. for certain There, there there's no question about that and I, I guess there's no way I can really sort of crack that that code. You and me were just going to stand on on opposite sides of it, but I I really think that the 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 action, especially in the context of this, 
fans have always wanted more of the war than they got in the in the film versions and so that's what they get through this film and through the series is this sense like you said of the close combat of the upfront and personal uh sort of stuff where uh you know clone loses his gun and so he pops a droid in the face and it breaks his fist and then the droid shoots him where it's like this moment of oh ha that's fun oh he got killed <laughs> or you know the clones stand up for the charge and one of the clones gets shot in the head just like you see in the and it, there are a lot of camera movement choices in this that are very frenetic battle scene sort of stuff it's stuff that was only experimented with in attack of the clones where you know you have the explosion and then this, the quick zoom in on you know the the craft that's flying by and you find out that mace windu is in there and, and stuff like that like really frenetic energetic battle scenes i don't think that it's white noise especially here i mean especially when you see anakin in battle and they have something like the the battle on teth which has a completely whimsical and i think just wonderfully like i i would have loved to see it you know realized as a, a live action or i mean honestly with by the time it was a prequel area era you would just replace the cartoon people with real people for about 50 percent of them but like the whole idea of the tanks climbing up vertically up yeah. the hill and anakin and ahsoka quote-unquote racing each other and you seeing anakin in action and why he's so arrogant because he can just do just about anything. He's Superman. Yeah, it's really and, cool, man. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I think a big part of it too is just the idea of like this aesthetic not being nearly as effective as what Gendi Tartakovsky was doing in in his Clone Wars. And I mean that was that show was my jam, you know what I mean? And this is just kinda like, Oh yeah, that's cool. But you know, I kinda really wish they were doing the stuff that, that Tartakovsky was doing, you know, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's just me responding to I I don't know. I love both, just for the record, and I they each you know, inhabit a, a special place in my heart, I guess. But uh I you know, th- this this was the movie I honestly believe that if I had not enjoyed this movie as much as I did, if I have a more lukewarm reaction to it, I'm not turning the premiere of the show on television. Mm -hmm. Those same friends that I was watching it with, I went over to their house and we had like homemade pizza and that premiere I, I think they actually they showed more than one episode when it premiered i think it was they showed two maybe three yeah they might have yeah maybe yeah and uh I, like just all in we like we walked out of the theater and was like okay when this premieres we're one of us is going to be at somebody's house watching this <laughs> yeah so you know i i i can't personally i think it's i i think it's wonderful i think it's a little gem i don't think that it is um perfect i mean i obviously i agree with you you can see the seams at certain points uh for the fact that they sort of frankenstein this out of multiple things yeah but uh i definitely think it's worth watching and um but i will say we should move on to the next movie in our uh our little uh triple feature here and that is going to be Monsters. Monsters, uh, directed by Gareth Edwards, uh, who gave us Rogue One, the uh, 
um, what is being regarded as the war movie of the mm-hmm. Star Wars franchise up to this point. And um, Mike, do you want to give a synopsis of Monsters? Sure, it's a it's kind of a, a low budget um, indie horror sci fi movie about um, uh, it's a basically present day and there was a thing where a spacecraft sort of inadvertently picked up what may or may not be an alien life form and then sort of crash landed um, in between sort of like the on the border of of the the U S and and Mexico. And uh, the the whatever it is that they bro- brought back um, grew into some uh, monsters, some alien monsters, which uh, enjoy killing people. Yes, and they do. Yes, they do. N- now there is sort of a uh, a no man's land in between the U.S. and Mexico, and a journalist and a. Uh, uh, um, a journalist's boss's daughter who are stuck in Mexico right before, I guess like the, the, the breeding season or whatever. Yes. They cl- they close things down in this no man's land to, uh, so that they can go on military missions to keep the, keep the monsters contained. Right. So they, they need to cross this no man's land from Mexico into the U S uh, before the death occurs. Yes. And hijinks ensue. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it, this was my first time seeing it. Have you seen this before? It, no, it was my first time as well. Okay. So uh, just for anybody curious, it is on Netflix. Yeah. Um, I will say that this is this is what I would regard a spoiler-proof movie. Even if I were to blurt out the ending... This is not a movie that is affected by that foreknowledge. This is not something where you would have to... This isn't like Rogue One where people went on lockdown for three months beforehand. I'm not even going to watch a trailer because I don't want to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. This is the type of movie that is structured to be a character exploration. Mm -hmm. And so the plot is there, but it's it's not necessarily what's putting your butt in the seat. What's putting your butt in the seat and making you watch it is the interaction of the characters within this reality that's been constructed. So that being said, this is your first time seeing it. What was your reaction to it? Um, I enjoyed it. You know, I I think it's one of those movies where I was sort of more impressed by what they were doing than, you know, the the actual end result. You know, the idea of making sort of a low-budget horror movie with you know fairly big uh, special effects and a fairly large scope you know I, I I'm always I'm always excited whenever I see something like that and you know Edwards apparently comes from a, a visual effects background and you can kind of see that at play here for the most part you know it totally holds up there's a couple shots here and there where you're like yeah they could have used another pass on that one but <laughs> yeah. for for the most part I mean it, it it holds up and they also do a good job of sort of uh, constructing a story which doesn't really need a lot of visual effects, you know? Right. Which I think is kind of smart, smart way to go about it. And, you know, I, I thought that they, they did a pretty good job in terms of the, the character and the story. I think 
Um, in terms of its uh, uh, commentary, it's a few years ahead of its time, but you watch it today and you're like, wow, that really is kind of uh, timely. I mean... Uh, it, <laughs> it does seem to be very... It's it's about yeah, it's it, about yes. people, you know, view Americans viewing America from the outside trying to get in and one of the things which is complicating matters is the fact that there's a massive wall going across the border. I yeah. mean, what? What? And also, you know, just sort of like the commentary on that. Like, there's one scene where, like, the characters are like, so do you think the, the wall is going to keep the monsters out? And the guy's like, they spent a lot of money on that wall, but honestly, like, what are you going to do? The monsters, if they want to get in there, they don't care about the wall, you know? And I yes. mean, that's, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting idea to think about. I, anyway. I, comple- I No, I, I completely agree with you. I completely plug into that. It, it is... Um, and it, but in addition to that, there is also I think a, a really deft commentary on the misperception that travelers outside of uh, outside of this great nation sometimes have about the people that live there. That they they are operating in a world where they're presuming that it functions like their own. And they are not accounting in for certain cultural differences, and but at the same time, there, I think that that one of the larger lessons that these characters learn is that they should be treating people as individual people, yeah. not as a massive group. Yeah. That they no. and and they even, I see. The thing is, as as much as I said, I can't blow the ending of it, but there is sort of a lesson as they go to learn that maybe the goal of the monsters is not what they think it is. Yeah, we probably shouldn't say what happens in the very last scene, but No. Yeah. No, we we definitely shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. But they 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 don't gain an uh, any sort of like uh, uh, appreciation or empathy, but sort of a, an understanding that they've that the whole world is going about it wrong. Yeah. That everybody is not understanding what actually is happening out there. Yeah. And is reacting instead to their perceptions as opposed to their reality. And for, for a movie yeah. about a bunch of giant monsters who kill a bunch of people, it has a surprisingly beautiful ending. Yes, it does. Yeah, it, and the thing is, I give it a lot of points for that. Yeah, uh, because that is not the. Tr- it, it is not an ending as you would expect it to be, mm-hmm. especially in today's in today's uh, post-human centipede environment, as it were. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, I what I was struck by with this is when I watched Godzilla, I I said, and I have said, I was, oh, well, I understand why they got him. He can do big effects things. And he can, you know, he understands scale and, and, you know, character within this arc. But I look at this. This is the movie where I give him Rogue One. I don't give it to him for Godzilla. I give it to him. Well, I mean, Godzilla teaches me that he can, you know, do giant effects pictures too. But this is the one where I say, if I want to do a small, intimate character portrayal within the context of this larger war that's going on, it's here. Yeah. I mean, including the fact that with the way he, he uses the camera while it's embedded with military people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, you know, the connection, I mean, the leap from monsters to, to Godzilla is not a very big one. You know, it's like, 
oh, he did a low-budget Godzilla movie. Now let's give him, you know, a lot of money to make Godzilla. But no, I definitely see what you're saying, you know. Um, and, and I think in a lot of ways, this probably is the movie that got him Rogue One because, I mean, Godzilla, by the time he was, you know, the ball was rolling, like Godzilla wasn't even out yet. And I know that, you know, there was the Frank Marshall connection and everything like that, and I'm sure that they didn't hire him without, you know, at least looking at what he was doing on Godzilla. But I don't think that he gets in the room without monsters first, you know? Yeah. So that that yeah. is, and, and Godzilla is just kind of like, okay, you can do the other thing too, you know, which I'm, I'm guessing probably wasn't a surprise to them given his, his visual effects background. You know? Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, Monsters is on Netflix, well worth your time. Uh, well worth the effort to uh, to go ahead and see it. I really did enjoy it from beginning to finish. I thought that it was it was compelling. It was no longer than it needed to be, yeah, which one, I think one of the nice things about all three of these movies is they're all hovering around an hour and a half long. You know, right? So that's cool. Right? I you know I uh, I don't have as much of a hang up about uh, running time uh, as as you know others, but I will say that. When a movie is longer than it needs to be, it is definitely, definitely noticeable. And it would have been so easy for monsters to have run long. Mm-hmm. For for Edwards to fall too in love with what he was doing and what he was trying to say. And yeah, it, it, gets, it gets to the point. And speaking of getting to the point, we have the third movie in our, our triple feature here. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who are going to be delivering unto us the Han Solo movie uh, coming out with, uh, with uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Alden Ehrenreich or Ehrenreich? Ehrenreich, yeah. whatever. And Donald Glover and Woody Harrelson. And, and Tandy uh, Newton. And Tandy Newton. Uh, coming to us uh, in in movie theaters, so we have Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which is unquestionably animated and geared for kids. Yeah. Um, you you want to give us a rundown of that one? Sure. Um, there is a, a kid who's you know kind of a nerdy science kid who's always inventing things which don't work. And he lives on an island where all they eat are sardines, and people aren't very happy about that. And he kind of stumbles across an invention which uh, does work, where he can turn water into food. And he uh, kind of launches this into the uh, stratosphere or something like that, and uh, ends up uh, making it rain food. And the population, generally speaking, is uh, pleased with this, but uh, there's some some uh, dark stuff lurking underneath the surface, which uh, might cause some problems. And hijinks ensue. Yeah, you know, this is, uh, a, I think, a, a terribly inventive and creative movie. Um, it is a lot of fun. My kids love it. I love it. Uh, it got legit laughs out of me um, watching it. it it's <laughs> there, there are specific moments that I think of now that uh, obviously make me uh, make me chuckle. The uh, the one the one that really really got to me, I, I have to say, which I just noticed this time, was when he 
starts uh, snowball fighting, and he gets like really excited about it. <laughs> yes, and there's this right. one scene where it's very <laughs> yeah. subtle, but he goes into like a house and he starts yeah. pelting people with snowballs. And the way that it's choreographed and the way that the people fall is very yeah. similar to people who have just <laughs> suffered headshots in like a John Woo movie. Yes, I'm right. like, wow, that's dark, but cool. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah. It's it's very quick and it's very clever, and I think that um, there is, uh, I mean, there there's a really sweet moral to it, where you know how easy it is for somebody who wants to make an impact or wants to help people can get so caught up in the idea that they are doing that, that they are being important, that they don't listen to maybe that one small voice that says to them. Are you sure you're going about this the right way? And there's a beautiful embrace while I was watching this of the pseudoscience that is a hallmark of Star Wars mm-hmm. where it's it does this. Oh, you mean it, you know, like uh, it, it pulls water and it turns it into food. How? Well, it does something. OK, you know, yeah. and, and, and even the ending is this classic. Huge scale, uh, you know, action oriented effects ending you know where, where they they have to go and they have to fight these creatures in the middle of this giant technological maze and drop down and upload the code that causes the destruction and and they're you know the, the, the they're flying through and they they go through something and you know there's this giant fireball that chases them out and i'm watching it this time and i'm thinking I can see Star Wars scenes in this. Mm-hmm. I can see somebody sitting down with a storyboard and saying, make it like that scene from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Yeah, The sensibility to this is not just an animated film. It's a film. It just happens to be animated. Yeah, and it's interesting because they come from an animated background. You know, they, they created that show Clone High and stuff like that. But, you know, post Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, they transcended animation into uh, live action with uh, the 21 Jump Street movies, which I think are very, very, very good, especially 22 Jump Street is pretty amazing. Have you seen those? I have not seen either one, but I will see them soon. Yes. And, you know, then they also did the Lego movie, which everyone loves. And, you know, it's interesting, like, uh, you know, both Lego Movie and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, you know, like you're saying, have this, you know, very strong, um, like, positive message for kids, you know? Yeah. Which is, I think, kind of geared towards nerdy kids. You know, it's sort of like, embrace your nerdiness, you know? Don't let people, you know, put you down for being a nerd, you know? This yeah. is what makes you cool, and, you know... If you if you keep on going down this path, maybe one day you'll get to make a Star Wars movie. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that that's really cool, and you know, it, it really kind of like shows that they sort of get what Star Wars is about in a sense. You know, or you know, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, and um, I, I'm excited to see them do a Star Wars movie for sure. But I have to say that, you know, even though I do like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and the Lego movie, you know, when I heard that they were directing, um, you know, the Han Solo movie, the the movie that I kept on thinking about, which made me just, just so happy, was 22 Jump Street. 
like that is some next level stuff right there. And, you know, I love the fact too, it shows their, their diversity as filmmakers. They can make, you know, the Lego movie, which is, you know, the family friendly, you know, kid oriented kid message movie, and then turn around and a month later come out with like the raunchiest R-rated comedy you could possibly imagine. And yet both are brilliant and, you know, Extremely well-directed. And I haven't seen 21 Jump Street or 22 Jump Street, but I think that that is, that is a hallmark. That's something that, that, that gives me real uh, hope for the Han Solo movie is you have two directors who are – I mean, it's hard enough to be funny mm-hmm. and make it work on film, but the simple fact that they can make funny for both adults and kids – Yeah. I, I mean – I think the danger here is I watch Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I think of the Lego movie and I, you know, and I, I know of their work with the, you know, 21 and 22 Jump Street. I think it's very difficult not to set up an expectation that I'm going to be slapping my knee laughing during the Han Solo movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think, know? I think it's definitely going to be funny and everything, but I think it's going to be toned down i mean i i i'm guessing that it's going to be like you know episode four level funny but i don't but i don't want them to be toned down yeah right to to get to a point that you've made when i like okay i watch monsters mm-hmm. and then i think of rogue one and mm-hmm. i think to myself i can really see where they took it out of his hands at certain points and said no 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 we need this no 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 we need this because I, like I can think of specific scenes again that play completely against Edwards's sensibilities. Yeah, and I I get to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and I see two guys that are just embracing everything that's fun and free. I don't want that stifled. I want that in the movie. I I, th- I think that they will embrace it, but I think the other thing that they'll do is. And this is something that you see in 21 Jump Street. And I mean, to be honest, I've never watched the original show, but you're you're really not missing much. <laughs> perhaps, but I feel like I am because as as you sort of discover in 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 the first movie, uh, it's not a remake. It's an expansion of the mythology, you know? And yeah. they 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 stay true to that original mythology, and I think that it's interesting and cool when thinking about that in relation to Star Wars, which is all about the mythology, you know. So, yeah. um, I, you know, I'm I'm excited. I trust them. I, like I I feel like, you know, even though I, everything that they do is definitely very fun, and and you know they do television shows too, like Brooklyn Nine Nine, and. Uh, what it was it called? Like S- S- Legend of Zorn, or what's the thing? The, the I, I don't I I don't know because I don't watch it, but I do watch Brooklyn Nine Nine regularly because yeah. that show is hysterically funny. Is it? Yeah. See, I've never seen oh. it, but I need oh, to see dude. it. Yeah. I, I I uh it it has it is funny on its own, but then you have on top of it a a live action TV show that finally. Uh, it gets slash perfects the the timing of the cutaway that Seth MacFarlane excelled with on Family Guy. Interesting, because they'll they'll have 
oh, you remember that time? And they will cut back and they'll have the 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 cutaway and then it'll come back and it is hysterically funny. And uh, on top of that, working with Terry Crews is, you know, I imagine a delight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think they have a, a really solid track record, you know, and I, I mean, I definitely, out of all of the um the the spin-off directors uh, I mean I guess there's only 3 at this point but they're definitely the 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 two that I'm I'm most in love with and uh I I can't wait to see what they do with, with uh, Han Solo. It, yeah, pure and simple uh and again I haven't seen the 21 Jump Street stuff but pure and simple seeing the possibilities of what they could do with Han and Lando interacting. Yeah. What is going to be pretty great i yeah. think yeah I think. i'm excited okay so of these three you can only pick one to tell somebody to go you got to see this movie if you want to get a better understanding of what you're going to get with your star wars from this this person or these people depending on who you pick which one are you sending them out to see i mean i guess feloni is kind of out of the running in that question since you're seeing it right so yeah i guess so um, I, I mean, I would say that Monsters, you know, is is probably the most indicative or whatever. Um, and I think it's probably the best of the three, you know. I think they're all pretty good. You know, I'm not head over heels in love with any of these three movies, I have to say. Um, but I guess here's my, my question for you. I mean, I, mean, I want to hear your answer to the question that you just asked. But then I have another question for you, which is, how do you think these three movies play as a triple feature? Oh wow! Um, oh, that's a that is a tough one. I honestly, okay. First, answer to the first question is going to be conditional. I'm going to need like it's going to be based on how well I know the person because I, I agree with you. I think that of the three, Monsters is the best quote unquote best uh, film, but. If somebody likes to laugh and really likes the zanier portions of Star Wars, I'm going to send them toward Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs because for an hour and a half, you're gonna you're just gonna you're you're gonna laugh. It's gonna be a great time. Um, and then in terms of as a triple feature, this would be a difficult one for me to construct. In all honesty, well, I, would, I, I mean, I think it has to be constructed in the order that we did it, like Clone Wars, Monsters, mm, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I would go in reverse. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I think if you you need to, you need to go by the you know whatever. I'm no. Just, okay, fine. <laughs> I w- I would go in reverse. All right. And this is my reasoning. I would go with the the zany comedy, animated comedy of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Then I would just to borrow a term from you, gear shift to monsters, and then I would show people Clone Wars and say. This is the world these two are coming into. Where how do you see they would be plugging into it? Because yeah. it, like I, I think that's how that would work for me. So I would show it in reverse order. I mean, I, I think you have to do it in the order. I mean, for me, in the order that you know these people came to the franchise. You know, because and and I, I like I like you know setting up scenarios like that where you do get weird. You get that sort of like. Um, uh, you know, shuffle, um, yeah. you know, mentality, you know, to, to the movies, you know, and, 
um, watching Clone Wars followed by Monsters followed by Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. It's it's a it's a wild ride, you know. I mean, two kids <laughs> yes, movies with a horror movie stuck <laughs> in between, and I I, I kind of <laughs> love that. And uh, while while I think that you know these three movies are not nearly as good as the three movies that we saw with the original trilogy directors. I think mm. that the, the kind of combination of these three is very strange and weird and cool. I am going to say that all three of these movies are better than the legacy directed by Richard Marquand. I, yeah, I, I will, I don't agree with, I that. will straight up. I will take the Pepsi challenge with <laughs> anybody out there in the audience to watch the legacy by Richard Marquand, watch these three movies and tell me whether you think the legacy was better than any of them. Because I think I think all three of the originals are better than all three of these. You are. I I will give you stakeout on Dope Street is great. I would. I and of course you know how I feel about THX eleven thirty eight. No, you know how I feel about the legacy. So, yeah. uh, if anybody wants to take that Pepsi challenge and reach out to us, you can go to thenerdparty.com slash contact. Look up the show, Great Shot Kid. Drop us a line. Uh, we'll address your question or your comment on the air, uh, you know, right here on the show. You can also reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nerd party. You can go find a, the network on Twitter at join nerd party and just use the hashtag great shot kid. Let us know that you're talking about us. You can, of course, leave a review for us over on iTunes. Uh, just look up great shot kid. We're there. We've received some fantastic reviews up to this point and we're very very grateful for them if you enjoy the show go ahead and give us a review there it lets other people know about the show lets them join in the fun and uh harass us and uh tell us that the legacy is not as good as these three movies because that that is just a fact so uh mike where can people find you out there on the internet well you can find me on twitter at mumbles 3k or you can find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com, doing Commentary Track Stars, where we just uh, released a, a commentary on, on Tuesday for the 20th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back, in which we set out to do a serious, hardcore commentary of The Empire Strikes Back mm -hmm. and very quickly um, devolve into... Basically, it's just a conversation between two nerds who happen to have Empire Strikes Back on in the background. But if you want to, you know, hear our thoughts on a lot of things related to Star Wars, uh, check check that out. And you must. I, you can also find me on Trek.fm doing Stage Nine, where we talk about uh, the people who make Star Trek, along with you, with me. That's right. I am on that show. And you can also uh, go ahead and track me down, co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. You can also, right here on the network, you can uh, find me co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations, which is a Star Wars show of a different vein uh, with Matt Rushing. And, of course, you can uh, harass me as Kessel Junkie on your social network of choice. So join us uh, next week where we are going to be looking at a uh, lesser star in the Lucas Firmament uh, more American graffiti. 